0: Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at Calamunda.church. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Well, hey, you may take your seat this morning. Thank you. I'm going to give you this. Tom, can I give you this? Thank you, buddy. Awesome. Thank you, worship team, and um, man, what a beautiful house this morning, a house of worship and praise. And it really is uh, an honor for me to be here today. And I, I know uh, Tim and Beck and James. Did he wake up this morning? Is he in here? Uh, I, might, I might have to stop by his house here in a little bit, um, but uh just love the Phipps. Hey, buddy, how are you? Uh just love the Phipps family, and, and when James actually mentioned about coming, uh, for me, it, it was as much for him as anything else. I uh, just believe in, in this family, and honestly, just what I want to say, too, um, I, honestly, I, I was just... I shared that in that, that moment, but I was so stirred and touched by the thankfulness that was in this house. You know, just, just hearing, I just, I just, as every time, it's like they said that word. Um, uh, do you hear? hand? You okay, bud? All right. all right. We were talking about jumping earlier, and I think when we were all jumping around, we can tend to fall too. It, it happens. And, um, and, uh, but, uh You know, I I just, every every time that word thankfulness came out of the mouth, it just, man, it it hit me in here. And and as we just begin to have that time of communion, again, it was just such a beautiful moment. I I don't know if maybe it's just me, I don't know if you you sense that, but there's something powerful when we give our thanks and our praise to the Lord. Guys, we live in such a blessed nation. Like, we, we live in such a blessed place, and let us not take for granted for what's right in front of us. You know, in, in the church of, of Ephesus, and actually, let me just say this. I, just before I get into my talk, um, guys, I, I think there's been such a beautiful, patient endurance that you guys have gone through in a journey. And that's as I was sitting down to worship, God began to speak to me, and it's actually out of Revelation chapter 4. And he's speaking to the church of Philadelphia. And it's interesting, out of all the churches, this was the only church that, that actually Jesus did not rebuke. It was the only church that he actually did not call um, to an adjustment that they need to make. And Philadelphia means brotherly love. And, and I just believe that there was this genuine love that this church was showing. And um, let me just get to this real quick. Uh, Revelation chapter 4, 3. Thank you. <laughs> and it says this It says, I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance. But he says in verse. Number eight, it says, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know you have but little power, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And that word, what that says, though you have little power, what it's talking about is though you maybe have little influence, though you might not be doing the most amazing things that taken over the city. But what I see in you is real. What I see in you is true. You have kept my love. You have kept, kept me through it all. Through the challenging times, you've kept it all. And through that, I am opening a door that no man may shut. I'm opening a door that, that no man may even begin to, to bring it through. It's something that I bring into you. And I just believe that God is bringing something very powerful to this house where you're all going to be able to sit here and say, I can't take credit for it. We can't take credit for it. But it's by the divine hand of God for what he did. I just, that, that's just what he, he shared. So I'm just sharing that with you. So Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every person in this house. Lord, I thank you for this house, that they have journeyed through patience and endurance, where through it all they have kept your word, they have kept your name, and Lord, they've remained in a place of just pure thankfulness. So, Father, I just speak that you begin to open doors that no man may shut. You begin to open doors and bring things, Lord, that we can't get credit for. It's only you and your goodness, so Father, I thank you and I praise you. You're worthy of it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My wife and I, uh, we moved to uh, Perth a little over two and a half years ago. And all of our friends, when we were moving, they were saying, where are you going? Like, not one person I knew actually ever heard of Perth. Like not not one, and uh, Perth, what is that? And uh, um, and they all thought I was crazy for leaving. And we were part of an amazing church, and really just kind of everything I looked for longed for. We kind of arrived in that place, and shortly there into the journey, God said, "Now I need you to go." And we're like, "No!" And He said, "Go!" And uh, through and. An Crazy journey of stepping out in faith. We had a word about doing ministry in Australia. And uh, we just stepped out, not, not knowing anybody. And just God began to open doors. Like, I just you, like, as when you respond to his voice, he opens doors. And things just begin to open in our life. And I didn't even know, i never heard of the ministry called Youth Alive. You know, people thought I moved over here for Youth Alive. My wife and I are the Youth Alive directors. I'd never even heard of it. Uh, but guys, God opened doors. And uh, he just sees what we do in secret. Why does he honor things we do in secret? Because he's the only one that sees it. He says, I can bless that. He can bless this house. He sees your hearts in secret. And he just began to open doors in my wife and I life. And now we have all of our friends going, hey, can, can we come you know like everybody now wants to come to convert everybody we know, and you know my wife and I we are in the process of renewing our visa um, and potentially praying about doing p r we just we just and a part of it is is not just because we love this city so much I mean there's a lot to love about it, am I right? yeah it's beautiful, I mean, you have the beach, the people, you know you have the hills, you have the city like. All the above is right here in this area. And and that's not enough for my wife and I to say, hey, we want to pack up ship and and move across and stay and plant in this place. But we believe that the calling for this city is so high. We believe that Perth is a city set on a hill. Because I begin to look at the words that have been spoken over what God's going to do to the city of Perth. I believe what's going to happen out of this city is going to literally touch the world. We're seeing in these younger generations that are beginning to rise up. Like, like it, it, it's just, we just believe there's such a high calling. And, and honestly, like, I would challenge a lot of people um, where I go, because I believe one of my roles is just to reawaken a love for this city. Like, I, honestly, I, I think I, I might love Perth more than a lot of people that live in this place. <laughs> but do you know life's a lot better when you love what's in front of you? Like, life's a lot easier when you love what's in front of you. You know, my wife and I, um, through different scenarios in business, we were living in Times Square, New York. My wife's a southern girl from Georgia. I'm from Missouri and just took some business ventures that land us in that place. And um, my wife and I are not New Yorkans by any means. You know, it's funny to me when Australians go to America, they always go to L.A., New York, every single place Americans don't want to go, you know, <laughs> honestly, you know, even, even, um, uh, most Americans would say there's 49 states and then there's California, you know, it's just like, you know, but you guys always go to LA and all those places, and we were there, but We are pursuing business, um, living in Times Square, and, you know, God blessed my wife and I with some amazing opportunities, but there was this calling in our lives to to do ministry and to, my wife was an atheist when I met her. I didn't grow up in church, but just through some crazy divine situations, man, we just full-fledged into the Lord and building business, but he asked us to step out of that and to to go into full-time ministry. So we end up going to a place called Pampa, Texas, and it sounds kind of funny, and it probably is like what it sounds. It is literally the middle of nowhere. It's an hour outside of the city, maybe about 20,000 in population, um, but it is just a country community. So we went from Times Square, New York, to Pampa, Texas, and guys, it was a place that my wife and I, like when we left that... So when we left that place after seven years, I remember going to the town sign and laying our hands on the sign and just weeping, saying, thank you, God, for this place. When we went there, the Lord said, it's going to be a place of where you learn and where you grow. It's a place in secret. We just got to love people. We saw near revival stuff in our youth ministry and God move in the schools and just, but people would always go, what are you doing in Pampa? And I would always say, what are you doing wherever you're at? You know, I mean, it's it's all in perspective. You know, it's like, I mean, what, what, what do you, it's, it's where God called us. And guys, we had such a love for this city that it actually was an oil community. So it, it, you know, Texas reminds me of Australia. Actually, someone said that Australians are really just British Texans. I don't know if that's true or not. But with the mining, and there's a lot of resource in the ground where we we lived. But there was also natural gas was a big resource. So when you came into the town, the very first thing is you smelt was natural gas, like, so as you drove into the town, it smelt like a fart. I'm just, I don't know how to say it. Like, it's just like, oh, man. But we love this place. We had such a passion for it. And I believe, guys, because of that love, God began to use us. Guys, he wants people to love what's in front of them. Guys, it, it's hard to remain in a state of first love. In the book of Revelation, he addresses the church uh, of Ephesians. And and what he says, guys, you've done so much, uh, and I've loved your patient endurance. He told them this. He said, but you've lost your first love. I need you to repent. And I don't take that as a slap in the hand. I don't take that as a, you're wrong, you've been in a bad place. I take that as life. Do you know, it's almost impossible, and I don't want to say impossible, to remain in a state of first love. And I believe our love should grow and look different. Like, I want my love to be more as I journey through. I love my wife more than I did at first. But there was a fire in my eyes whenever I first was with her. Or a fire in my eyes when I was first with the Lord. And guys, we're not maybe meant to be able to stay in that place but we're always meant to return to that place. And there's always an invitation to return to that place of first love. And I, I just believe there is an invitation today. Return to that first love of the Lord. To return to that first love of maybe the people in this room. <laughs> return to that first love for Kalamunda. I don't know if it's a city, a township, or whatever you guys call it. <laughs> city. <laughs> Return to that first love of this house that God has blessed you in, where you have such a rich history of what God has done. I'm telling you, there's an invitation, guys. When you love something, just something beautiful and powerful happens, there's an invitation to love what's right in front of you. And, uh, I've went way over on any, I didn't plan any of that, you know, so now my talk is going to have to be shortened, and um, they're just, just such a beautiful place, I just, I like this place, I like you guys. So, um, let, let me just sh- share one thing, then we'll we'll get into the talk, and again, I will honor time. And uh, so, so one, one thing I, I want to share is uh, my wife and I uh, do ministry fully together, and Uh, She launched a a ministry called The Way, and you see the shirt that I have, and this is kind of you know, we felt like it was something down the road, but the Lord said, "No, I, I want you to do something now." So what she uh, has is actually church merch. So I'm I'm repping my wife Rice uh, gear today, and actually my message comes out of this shirt that I have on. And right, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on the back, and and she just felt like you know she was she loves like art, she loves design, and she was wearing like rocker tees, and many times it had such an awful meaning, and she's like why am I representing them? And why don't I represent you? And God kind of birthed that. So you might wonder, is this a plea to try to get you to buy stuff? Absolutely, 100%. Um, <laughs> I got four kids, man. No, um, no, it's just something we believe in. We we believe that, man, when, when God stirs something, you walk out in obedience, something powerful happens in those spaces. So if you, if you are interested at all, check it out. We've had people go, what is the way? And um, it's a beautiful opportunity. It's a way of life, you know, but it's connected to a way in Him, and be able to share your journey, share your testimony, but just want to give you guys an opportunity um, in that. And uh, so out of that, it was actually last week, um, she just got these shirts in, that God began to speak to me um, out of this shirt that I'm wearing, and it was this hand and this image that I saw, and that's kind of the title of my talk today is, Let Heaven Come. All right, this invitation to let heaven come into our lives—that we have a father that that came and brought his son, bringing heaven right into our space—and you know, I, I mentioned this idea of not taking for granted what we have right in front of us. But even for you and I in our faith, guys, there is thousands of years that God only spoke to the prophets. There's thousands of years that God only would meet someone in one time a year in the holy of holies. But you and I have access. Guys, you and I, like, I mean, we have a, such a great cloud of witnesses that look, and maybe, because for God put you on this place, with, on this time right now, through the timeline of life. And you and I have such a beautiful opportunity and gift to access Him and to know Him. In the prophet Jeremiah, verse 31, in a time where God was only speaking to the patriarchs and the prophets, He said this in verse 31, The time is coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And it will not be like the old covenant that I have made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and I led them out of Egypt, although I was like a husband to them. They did not keep my covenant. The new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel will be this. I will put my law within them. And I will write on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. None of them will have to teach their neighbor to know the Lord. Because they all will know me. From the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their sins. And I will no longer remember the wrongs. I the Lord has spoken. Do you know the greatest gift in the Holy Spirit is not Pentecost? The greatest gift in the Holy Spirit is not gifts and operation. The greatest gift in the Holy Spirit is that we have ability to know God. That we have that access to the spirit of the living God. He writes inside of our hearts. It was when Jesus died, it's better that I go, that I send the spirit on the inside, that you have access. Listen, I believe the number one job of a pastor is to put himself out of business. Guys, if I make it to where people got to come to me every week to get something, man, shame on me. But my job is to equip a generation to hear the voice of God, to know him, to walk with him every day. Is not just a weekly encounter, but it's a daily encounter that God invites us into. Guys, a church is a place that we come and we celebrate and we worship and we give thanks. And yes, we learn and we understand, but you can know him from the least to the greatest. And I think that fits about every single person in this place. You can know him. You see, when I saw this hand, guys, a lot of theologians believe that this is the hand that just means that God's hand is in everything, that his hand touches everything. And my son always says, he goes, Dad, he's five years old, do you know God holds the world, Dad? I said, yeah. And he also goes, Dad, do you know Jesus has the biggest butt in the city? <laughs> I don't know where he got that, but I'm like... I guess he does, son. <laughs> but many theologians believe that God's hand is in all. But, but I, I see that image, and I, I don't see the relational connection in that as much. You know, I, I see this maybe distant image. And what I begin to see is I saw that hand. I saw it more than just God's hand in everything. I see the hand that's actually reaching out to humanity. I see this reach that is taking place in Psalms 136 says, With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for the steadfast love endures forever. Guys, it's not just a strong hand, but it's an outstretched arm that says, My love is coming for you. My steadfast, patient endurance, steadfast love that is reaching out to humanity. That is reaching out to you and I. See, Jeremiah said, I will not be like the old covenant when I took your ancestors by the hand. He reached out to the the Israelite nation. He reached out with his hand. He led them out, though they did not treat him like a husband, even though he treated them like that. He gave everything to them, and they did not honor the covenant. And I think sometimes in our journey, it's so easy To condemn or blame or point a finger at the nation of Israel. They journey through the wilderness. But guys, I, I always live in a posture of checking my heart. Not to beat myself up. Not to condemn myself. But that I just don't carry it. And I can just give it to Jesus. And how often has he come treating us like a husband, but we've rejected his hand? Maybe we've rejected his guidance or his correction or his help. Guys, obedience to Jesus is the easiest thing in the world unless you think you could do it better. But how many times do we think we could do it better? How many times do we do that? How many times is the hand of the Lord reaching out but we're so busy on our phone? We're so busy looking at all these other things. As I couldn't imagine, my wife and I, we've been happily married for 15 years. We have four kids so love each other but I couldn't imagine if something else took my wife's gaze or something that took my my gaze and just my heart and my response but what does the father do if they reject him so many times does he stop reaching? no he says I have a new covenant coming for you he's still reaching out to humanity over and over and over again as I become a mess in places like this because I didn't really grow up in church, but I knew I needed to be and came from a broken home. And I just remember one time as God reached out to me, as I rejected him so many times. I didn't. I, I knew one day I was maybe going to get my life right, but I just wanted to party and have fun. And I just wanted nothing to do with God. I rejected him over and over and over again. But he pursued me in the most radical ways. Like, I, mean, I don't have time to share my testimony, but just divine ways that he just kept reaching out to me. And the same thing with my wife. And I remember taking communion for the first time outside of a church. I was on a ski trip with a a pastor and his wife, and we were in business with them. And um, he goes, hey, we're going to take communion. I'm like, oh, can we do that? We're not in church. Is that okay? (laughs) And uh, so he goes, yeah, we could do it. And It was just a very common moment. It it was spontaneous. And we sit down at a table. And he says, let's just go around the room and just tell the Lord what this means to us, these elements. And we went around the room. And it got to me. And guys, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even speak. (laughs) Because what came out of it was, I just didn't deserve it, God. I rejected you so many times. But you kept coming for me. And you kept coming for me. Guys, he won't stop reaching for you. He won't stop reaching for your prodigal. He won't stop reaching for this house. He won't stop reaching for this area. He won't stop reaching for this community. There's nothing too far that we could go that his hand doesn't reach for you and I. Guys, when you have that revelation, when you walk in that revelation, Guys, every day when maybe you mess up or you feel down, you know what you do? You look for the hand of God that's reaching. And you just reach out and grab that. And it's amazing the lifting that takes place in our life. Guys, he will not stop reaching for humanity. His desire is for all to be saved. But once we grab a hold of that hand, once we grab a hold of that reach, and it might not just a one-time reach. It's the daily thing that we reach out for the hand of God that's reaching out for humanity. Guys, when it hits us, and I'm talking about hits us, not in here, but hits us in here and our spirits come alive, and we encounter his goodness, and we encounter his, and begin to praise and worship, guys, what happens, that reach just begins to flow through you and I, like a natural flow, and the image that I see is Stephen in scripture, you know, it's in the book of Acts, when they're preaching the gospel, but what happened, the the 12 weren't taking care of the widows, The widows were going hungry, and they began to address them, saying, no, that's not okay. We need to to feed the widows. We need to take care of them. And they said, it's not right for us to give up preaching the gospel and prayer. There was a pure-hearted statement for what they were called to do in that season. They said, but we need some men and women to rise up that will take care of the widows. And I love the very first person they found, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. And I love that. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, I know that the apostles were full of the Holy Spirit. But why did they need a man full of the Holy Spirit to go take care of widows? Because, guys, God is so, I, we get thinking, this moment right here, oh, if the Spirit of God is flowing through me. the you know this holy thing you could do is what God has called you right in front of you. It might be taking care of widows. It might be a school teacher. It might be a business that you have that the Spirit of God has anointed you to go out and to do work. The very first people that the uh, Spirit filled was bricklayers. That, that built the house. That built the t- Like the, the guys, God fills His spirit to build walls, to do different things. And guys, you carry the spirit of God with you, but you have to walk in that revelation. God, you've anointed me to go out and do this. I believe one of my jobs is to speak to a generation. It's not just more pastors that we need. We need more doctors on mission. We need teachers on mission. We need people in governance saying, What are you guys doing? (laughs) You know, we need some truth to begin to come out. We need a generation saying, I am sent by God to go to these spheres of influences. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. But Stephen was actually the very first martyr we see in Scripture for Jesus Christ. And there's this moment where Stephen made a stand for Jesus, and he's getting ready to be stoned to death. And Stephen actually sees Jesus begin to stand. You see Jesus stand. I believe Stephen made a stand and Jesus began to rise. But Jesus stand for anyone we see in Scripture that was martyred. And he begins to stand up. And I believe what was happening in this moment, that God, Jesus, was reaching out. Seeing Stephen make this stand. And Stephen's saying, I see Jesus high and lifted up, sitting right next to the Father, standing up. But he says this phrase. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. Like I I I will challenge myself, God, would I say that in that moment? Like, do I have that revelation of love that you have? You flowing through me enough to say on my death, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, he was reached by God, Stephen, and God began to reach through him. So I see this moment that Jesus is reaching out for Stephen, but that reach began to flow through Stephen to a man named Saul that was standing right there. Saul was a man that persecuted the church. Saul was a man that, that killed Christians, but God began to reach out. Through Stephen. I believe there was a defining moment that was messing with every single person that was getting ready to. Steve Saul signed off on the execution, but hearing that phrase, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I just I'd have to imagine Saul began to stir in that. Saul began to, and it was the reach of God flowing through Stephen to a man named Saul that ended up becoming a man named Paul. God changed his name, they wrote a third of the of, of or many of the epistles that we see throughout scripture. The reach of God. I don't care how far you've gone where you've at he won't stop reaching for you and i and reaching through us i love hearing testimonies of teachers business guys god flowing through i love it he wants to reach through you and he wants to reach touch and and touch your heart that you could reach and touch others and I, i would just say this let me just look at the time sorry Not only is he reaching for you and I, because guys, he is the safest place to hold everything in your life. I said that earlier. Obedience to Jesus is easy unless you think your ways are better. But he's worthy to hold it. But what does it require? It requires humility. It requires saying, God, I don't got what it takes sometimes. But you do. I think it's easy sometimes to beat ourselves up, but it's another thing just to give it to him. Just to release it back to Him. We see in the scripture in 1 Peter 5, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that in proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. We humble ourselves before Him, under His mighty hand, in proper time, not if, but when, He will He will exalt you, casting all of your anxieties, all of your cares upon the Lord. You see, when Jesus died, he died for your sin, your past, your present, your future, when you receive him and Lord and Savior. Does that mean you need to ask forgiveness for your sins and your failures if you go on throughout the journey? I believe absolutely. (laughs) Is it a matter of salvation? I I, I don't... I don't believe so, but I believe the priest would actually go once a year to, to on the day of atonement. And they had a lamb and a goat. And they would slaughter the lamb for the forgiveness for the year of the sins. But they would take a goat and they allowed the goat to run off. That, reminding them that God would re- remember no more. But it was once a year. What happened on day one? When the dude messed it up again, he's like, oh man, I gotta wait 364 more days before I gotta, you know, how many people would be on day one messing up, you know? (laughs) Guys, you and I now have access to Jesus, but we decide how long we're gonna carry that thing. Guys, there's been times where I've carried something for months and months and months, carried this burden, carried this anxiety. You know what? I had someone that said, Cast it upon me, Andrew. I'll carry that for you. I'll hold that for you. And sometimes it's a daily thing that I can accidentally pick up and say, no, I give that to you, God. He doesn't want you walking in that burden. He doesn't want you walking in that way to something. He's trustworthy to carry it. Corey Tinboom was born in 1890. And uh, she was a woman of faith, you know, came in a Christian family, made massive impact. They would help orphans, all, all kinds of stuff, um, help missionary families. She would take the kids as missionaries would go out on mission for three to five years. She would, their family would watch the kids as they would do that. And uh, um, in 1940, the Nazi regime came in and took over and uh, they were persecuting the Jewish People and putting them in concentration camps. And her family actually took in Jewish families. And uh, she actually, personally, and her family helped save over 800 different Jews um, personally. And through so much trial and challenge. And I would just say the reach of God, guys, it wasn't just 800 people that she touched. Everyone maybe had a husband or a wife or, or kids or went on. And how many of you have heard the name Corey Tinboom in this place? Look at the reach. Look at the reach that God does through that. But I believe there was a defining moment in her life that actually set her up to be in this place that she could truly help people. And it was, she was, had a man that she wanted to marry. And this man loved her, but his mom didn't approve of her. He, 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 she didn't have the approval. Um, so shortly thereafter, she found out on the day that he was getting married to a, a woman that his mom approved of. And just her heart broke, and I couldn't imagine that place. The true love for each other, but parents saying no. And so she, she ran away, and if your mom and dad say no, you got to listen to them, all right? You hear me? All right. So, um, But she, she ran up to her room, heartbroken, in tears, crying out to the Lord, weeping to the Lord. And she said, Lord, I trust you. And you have always been faithful to me. Lord, you're worthy of everything I have. She goes, I'm with you, lock, stock, and barrel. I'm with you through it all. And she went on to say, Jesus, you have my what if. I give you everything. You have my what if. She's saying, God, I'm going to let you hold this area of my life. I love this guy. Didn't happen. I give you my what if. Guys, we need to give him our what if. We need to give him everything. What if I wouldn't have failed? What if I do fail again? What if I don't have what it takes, God? I give you my what if. I will let you hold everything. I will cast everything upon you because you are trustworthy. Young people, you need to give him, what does my future look like? You know, what am I going to do? Let him hold that. Let him carry that. He is faithful, and he is true. And even though if uh, the keys can come up, <clears throat> I think one of the, the challenging things that we can go through is challenge and trauma and when we go through those type things what can happen if we're not careful is a hardness of heart and he says to the nation of Israel that you will not enter the promises that I have for you because of your unbelief has produced a hardness of heart guys a hardness of heart can happen to the best of us my mom is the most precious woman in this earth and I'm a mama's boy. But I saw my mom that went through so much trauma. Just through time, that callous began to take place. And some of it was out of self-defense because she was in an abusive marriage. But this trauma that, that took place, and I saw as this hardness of heart happen. It's happened to me in my life. There may be some stuff in church and leadership and just, man, it just hurt. Guys, he wants to invite us in. Guys, the only way that that a hardness of heart or a callous can be removed, I believe, is through the divine closeness of the Father. Inviting us into place, a place to trust him again. To soften what's going on in here. His word says in Isaiah, he tends his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He brings them in. He carries them close. In Psalms 3. But in the depths of my heart, truly I know that you, Yahweh, have become my shield. You take me and surround me with yourself. Your glory covers me continually. You lift high my head. And I have cried out to you, Yahweh, from your holy presence. You send me a Father's help. We see this phrase. You lift my head. I believe he just wants to invite us all close today. And he is the lifter of our head. So many times my kids come to me. It's hurt, broken, crying, messed up. And my response is always just to lift their head. To look in my eyes. I don't want them just to hear me. I want them to see my eyes. And my love and my passion for them. To say it's going to be okay. Or to say, hey, you messed up, but you're a good boy, and I'm proud of you, son. I remember one day my boy messed up. He goes, Dad, are you not proud of me? I said, son, I am always proud of you. I'm not happy with what you did right there, but, son, I love you, and you're a good boy, and I am proud of you. He wants to invite you in. I just believe a tender heart, a broken and contrite heart. Is what he looks for. Call him on the church of Christ. He won't stop reaching for you. He doesn't mind getting his hands dirty. <laughs> you see with his son. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. His reach began to flow through his son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. His hand is here to restore. His hand is here to heal. And I just want to finish with this story. And we'll pray and close. My wife and I mentioned we were kind of a, a mess as, as kids, as teenagers, and we got saved at 19. So very, very immature living for the world we get saved radically at 19 um get married at 20 then my brother-in-law which was my wife's brother oh yeah yeah brother-in-law would be the same thing all right so uh, um, he came up to a youth camp that we were just leaders at and he gave his life to jesus and, uh, but what you have to understand that this boy was on meth at, at 14 years old. He was in a gang. He was ADHD, bipolar, obsessive compulsive disorder. So anyways, he comes up, gives his life to Jesus. And I heard the Lord say, Andrew, if you send him back home, he'll end up being dead in a ditch. So my wife at 21 years old ended up adopting a 14-year-old. Couldn't read, couldn't write. <clears throat> So we became a parent to him, and shortly thereafter, we ended up adopting her sister that was 12 years old. So I really actually have six kids. And uh, so we were 21 years old. Everyone thought it was the craziest thing. We dropped them off at school we're like, what is this, you know? And uh, um, so here's my boy. You know, I just, it was a challenge. You know, he he would talk to my wife. <laughs> like he, that was his sister. I don't talk to my wife like that. I don't let anybody talk to my wife like that. There's just always drama. Like the only safe place in the home was for my wife was in her room and you know, just a constant state, but man, we bought them cars, like we just gave everything. You know what it's like as a parent? You put your dreams on hold. You know, your passion becomes your kids and things shift and that's what happened. Like you know, we could, I couldn't go to Bible college. I wanted I couldn't do quite a few different things. You know, I had to have two businesses. We don't have great health care like you guys. You know, it's like I mean, we were just fighting just to, just to survive. And, um, but that was my boy. I'd do it. I'd do it all over again. So when he graduated high school, my son Joseph, he went back home to see his family and uh, went directly to the slop that he came from. And he started using again and he started using heroin started injecting needles and that was 10 years he's 30 years old now and I just remember that just with the Lord God, it hurt so bad like it, there was a season I couldn't even hear his name because of the pain that it would cause in my, in my heart and I just I went to the Lord and said Lord why? You gotta be careful sometimes. When yeah, you you not you know <laughs> why, Lord? So I just don't get it, God. Did everything you asked? I gave him everything that I could. And He said, Andrew, as much as I wanted to do a work in His life, is as much as I wanted to do a work in yours. As I was a young, immature man, but man, becoming a parent grew me up real quick. <laughs> And what God did in my life. He will work together good. Everything for those who live according to his purpose. Guys, and the good work that he did in my life. Guys, God reached me. And I reached out to this boy. And some of the promise that I had to stay through was he's not dead in a ditch. And I wish I had a greater success story with him. But here's what I do want to say. God won't stop reaching. As there was years, I, I, I know he wouldn't talk to me because he was ashamed. Because he knew that I knew where he was at, but I just meant, love you, bud. You're my boy. I'm always there for you. And we reach out every once in a while. But he just knew, he said, I know if I hit the depth of the low, there's one person I could call. Now, my son, Joe, has been clean for five months and two weeks. that story to tell you don't stop believing that God won't stop reaching I don't care what your baby prodigal son might be at or the brokenness of any state that's in your life he is meant to redeem he won't stop reaching he won't stop reaching for maybe that depression that you can't shake he won't stop reaching for the impact of this region he won't stop reaching He loves you so much. But He will work together good. You can give Him it. He will carry it with joy. He took everything on the cross. So while we're holding on to it, let's give it to Him. If you just close your eyes today. Father, we thank You for Your presence in this place. Lord, right now, pray that people don't hear anything that I say, but only feel your reach reaching out to them right now. How much you love them. How much you see them. How much you value them. You see the heartache in the marriage. You see the patient endurance that they've had to journey through. speak that they feel the steadfast love of God reaching out not just to humanity but to them right now and Father we respond, we reach out to that love we receive that love today we just say you're worthy of it all thank you Lord you're worthy of it all To receive that love. And if you're here today and you don't know that love, there's never a magical prayer that can save you or transform you. I said the magical prayer a couple times in my life, it meant nothing to me. But it's when I came in a place where the Father that was reaching out for me that I truly grabbed a hold of him, surrendered everything to him, that he transformed and changed my life forever. When I made him the Lord and the Savior of my life, and I said, Lord, I give you everything. I give my sin, my shame, my future, my dreams. I give it all to you as a complete surrender place. And if you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus, Guys, it's in that place that we become the new creation. It's when we die with him that we're also raised with him. So if you want to surrender your life to Jesus today, and you've never fully done that, I just want to give you an opportunity, if you could just raise your hand in that place, if this is you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. see your hand. see your hand. So, Lord, right now, for every heart that's being stirred and moved, it's your spirit that's drawing them closer. Right now, Lord God, I ask you, pour out your spirit on them. Pour out your spirit on your sons and daughters. Where the old is gone and the new has come, Lord, we give you our sin. We give you our shame, Lord, that you're the only one that can truly save us. And you're only one that's worthy to hold it all. So, Lord, we give you our lives. We make you the Lord of our lives, Lord, today. So, Father, right now, just as Prophet Jeremiah said, that they may know you, they may see you, they may hear you and encounter you, Father, speak access to the Father right now. That they become that new creation in Christ. The anger is gone. The frustration is gone. I speak fruit of the spirit begin to rise up. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness to be released over them. That goodness will follow every step that they make. I speak a legacy released in their life. And Father, for any one of us that have been holding on to stuff, holding on to anxiety, holding on to burdens, holding on to different what-ifs in our life, Lord, today we surrender it all to you and you're worthy of it all. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. I speak joy of surrender to be released into this room. The joy of surrender. Overwhelming joy to be released, saying, You got it all, Lord. Lord, we won't stop believing because You won't stop reaching. <laughs> Speak faith to rise up in this house because we know You won't stop reaching, God. Not circumstantial faith, but heaven coming to this earth. <laughs> faith. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I think there's probably a little bit more we're going to do and we're going to hang around. And if if you guys need prayer for anything, uh, I know we have some amazing men and women of faith. Uh, myself, I'd love to hang around. I, I, I just feel that. One thing specific, if, you, if you've if you gone through some traumatic stuff, and you feel maybe there's been a little bit of a hardening, um, I just want to invite you to, to come. There, there's a gentleness of the Lord today just to, to release you from that. It's not because you've been bad. It's not because you're wrong. Um, sometimes it's just the journey of life that we go through those places, and we're not aware that, oh, wow, there's been a little bit of hardening that's taken place. Um just believe that there's a true freedom that God wants to release into your life today. Um, so if you need prayer for anything, um, help, resource, finance. I just so believe in the power of prayer and what God could do in those spaces. So just want you to know, again, I apologize for, for time um, today, uh, but uh, awesome. Are you guys want to, to worship or, you know, okay. So I just think, well, just have a moment. If we could just stand to our feet. Let's just kind of finish with a moment. I believe moments like these are important just to kind of seal what God's doing, giving it back to Him, giving Him praise, giving Him worship. And uh, again, if you just feel stirred after, I'd love to just love to partner with you in prayer.